Hello, everybody, and welcome to another landmark episode. It's episode 236 of Divi Chat. Um, please let's have all your comments and thoughts throughout the show. And if we read them out, uh, you will become immortalized forever. Unless, of course, YouTube shuts down one day. Here's a thought. Uh, we do have some amazing immortals of our own in the in Divi Chat, and a, it's very much a team effort every week. We're very grateful to Carlos and Miro for not only moderating the chat, uh, but also encouraging those in the chat room to smash that like button. Anyway, in the house, we have our fantastic panel with us this evening to talk about our topic. They signed the contract. Now what? And uh, we're going to start uh, with a lady I'm very excited to meet in person in about 12 weeks time in Portugal. Um, she literally adds, adds pixels to your life with her company, Focus WP. She is Stephanie Hudson. <laughs> What's up, you guys? I'm Stephanie Hudson, and I'm super excited to be here and to have this topic. And I am excited to have DJ Mikey D on the ones and twos this evening, breaking it down, <laughs> keeping it hype. Uh, it. I'm here supporting you. Yeah, I'll be on the dance floor all night. If anybody wants to join me, <laughs> let's get this party started. Head over to focusvp.co if you want to learn more about my business and come hang out with us in our Facebook group, Focus on Your Biz, where you might see some of these familiar faces hanging out as well. Okay. Thanks, Stephanie. Let's move around. It's on to Eric. He's... Uh... He's somewhere in Europe, Prague, I think. Little did he realize that when he joined us around a year ago that he would be such a popular panelist on Divi Chat. He's such an amazing business mind and floors us all with his creative approach to service provision. At the moment, he literally is Mr. In Transit. Eric, over to oh. you. Hey, thank you. Yes, <laughs> I am in uh, Prague, uh, Czech Republic for two weeks. And so excited to be on much better internet and uh talking to you all this evening i'm very excited about this topic um and so really looking forward to it and uh you can connect with me at divi agency coach thanks eric uh you literally are in transit i can't believe i never he thought is. of that. I, I didn't even think i've never thought of that oh <laughs> <laughs> josh hall does he know <laughs> serendipitous all those years ago when he named that company that's it no idea <laughs> He did know. He did know. He had foresight. Uh, and it's hard to properly describe our next panelist other than to say that she has to work harder than the rest of us. Are you getting up at six o'clock to be live to the world every week? And not only that, she goes on to be very lucid and helpful with her knowledge across a broad range of topics. Um, just as I'm going to bed, she's just getting started. Uh, company is in Dura Web Studios and she's Sarah Oates. Hey guys, thanks for that intro. Sarah Oates here from Endure Web Studios. You can catch me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. And I just want to give a little shout out to my fellow Aussies who are struggling through the, the floods at the moment. I know Emma Kate um, posted some stuff overnight about her area. Um, I think they've lost some stuff, but not as much as some other people have. Um, I've seen all sorts of videos and photos going on around the place, but certainly Queensland and New South Wales coastline is not in a great place. So thinking of anyone out there in Australia who is struggling at the moment with the floods, um, I know a lot of people lost a lot of things or at least power. And like we talked about last week with um, having to have your plan in place, I think some people are being tested with that at the moment. So. Hmm. Yeah, thinking of the fellow Aussies at the moment. 
By the way, I didn't get up at 6 a.m. this morning. But over winter, <laughs> over winter, will be. I will be. <laughs> yes. Okay. And my name's Mike Debit from Web Design Pro. And do you want a website for all your Divi life? Or do you want to endure the same problems that you currently have? So you can regain your focus and allow your business to come away from its in-transit status with Web Design Pro. And you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and at webdesignpro.co. So we're on to our subject of the evening, which is uh, they've signed the contract. Now what? So you've won the contract. You've done all that massive work to put the proposal in place. And somebody's gone, yep, we'd like to sign up with you. They've signed it. And in one way, you're celebrating. And in another way, you might be absolutely terrified if you're just starting up. Or you've got it all sorted. You know exactly what you're doing. Um, but now you've got to deliver on what you promised in the proposal or estimate if you're a student of the very amazing Beth Livingston, who was on Divi Chat episode 222, with, with, uh, which was entitled uh, Set Yourself Apart from the Competition with Project Management. Check that episode out because that's really cool. And uh, you're gathering together your virtual paint pots and canvases and trying to work out, you know, where you're going to start. So where, where does everybody start? Where do you start and what do you start with? Who wants to kick us off? Aaron's got a got a suggestion. <laughs> Sign the contract, take a break, don't talk to them for a week or two. <laughs> Wrong answer, Aaron. <laughs> Wrong answer. But that is what's easy to do sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. we work so hard to get that signature, to get that approval, that then we feel like, oh, we did it. And we didn't do it yet. It's just the beginning. Like now's where we got to do it. Now's where the work really begins. Yep. Yeah, I think it's tempting to look at the the money in the bank. You know, the money's appeared. Some money's appeared in the bank, and then you and then you feel that pressure, that weight of, you know, trying to kickstart um, this project. So, what do you do? Do you have like a do you have a kickoff meeting, Sarah? How do you approach your the beginnings of your projects once somebody signed the contract? Um, so once someone signed the contract, the first thing that we do is send out a welcome email. So we've okay. kind of got this like this email that's kind of drafted. It's got like a little pretty header at the top. Um, and it basically, I'll edit it every time. So it's not an automated thing, but I've got kind of a draft to work off, which basically says like, welcome aboard, really excited to be working with you guys. This is some, this is what's going to be happening from here. So we're going to send you your, de your deposit invoice. Um, and that will put you into our calendar. And so basically nothing's going to happen until you pay that deposit invoice. And these are all the things we need from you. And then we have this big long list of like, you know, we need your ABN, your like tax number. We need um, your address for um, that kind of stuff. We need login details. We need to know, do you use Google or Dropbox or, you know, whatever, whatever. So we've got this big long list of things that we need from them, including briefing information. So, you know, some websites that you like like if we don't have that information already just kind of getting that kind of stuff um, and then I have a little bit down the bottom that explains um, how best to work with me so like sh saying my business hours that I prefer emails like that kind of you know setting up the boundaries basically and saying like although Sophie is emailable she works at night time so it's better to just contact me and I can kind of get the information through to Sophie um, so just kind of setting it up and basically asking for the things we need, but also giving them expectations about what's going to happen from there here 
Um, and also a part of that is like, you know, once you've paid your deposit invoice, you go into the system and then um, we're going to start designing and, you know, going through that. So most of the time we've already done the briefing stuff. So we don't need to have a kickoff meeting. I like to have as little meetings as possible. <laughs> so at that point, I feel like we already have enough of a brief. But in that email, I'm basically saying this is all the information we need from you um, to be able to start the design process. Um, and I usually like the, then there's some backwards and forwards. I like the idea of the of, of setting these boundaries and, and just creating the kind of project expectation, yeah. you know, and, and, and also because you're still introducing yourself to the client at this stage, you might have gone through a number of chats with them or, you know, you don't know. It could have been a long road to this point or it could have been a very short one. And, yeah. you know, I mean, if been... you don't have the briefing information at this point, you probably shouldn't have quoted because right. like, how do you know just how in depth it's going to be? So I kind of feel like if you've got to this point and you don't have the brief, like maybe they still want to send through some design inspiration or like, you know, that kind of thing. Like this is usually the point where I'm saying, send me three websites you like and tell me why you like them. Send me a couple that you hate and tell me why you hate them um, just to kind of, so I don't mind that at this point, but otherwise I should know everything that I need to know about the website. I think really? You're also looking... Because aren't you going to do a discovery after the, you're not going to have more of a deep dive? You do we full don't... discovery before you quote. Kind of, yeah. I mean, we don't do, we don't do full discovery. I'm all about that paid discovery life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, in my mind, I would think where we're at at this point, if they're signing a contract, I would have thought this is post-discovery. So if you were doing a paid discovery, right. in my mind, we're after that that step because they've said, yeah, we are building a website with you. So in yeah. my mind, that's where we're at. Well, uh, and I think it depends upon the type of project. So we have a client uh, recently that we're, they, they need a marketing website, but then they also need a web application, which is their product. Well, right. I don't do that. Um, so what we did is we quoted them. Um, I worked, you know, was able to connect with some uh, partners that are going to be able to deliver on that. But there we had to do the paid discovery because it's mapping out their entire product. But the marketing website to sell this product, it's a marketing website. You know, it's a, it's a you know, five to 10 page marketing hub website. I don't need any discovery on that, but going through the sales process, um, and this has evolved over time, uh, like Sarah, once we get to this point, I really have, I, I just need, you know, I have a questionnaire. So what we do when, once somebody signs a contract and pays their deposit, we ask them, do they want to have a meeting to go through the onboarding questionnaire or do they want us to email them the onboarding questionnaire yeah. and they can fill it out on their own? Um, most of them want it emailed. Um, and so we're say, we say, great. And our contract is written in a way that says, after you do this, here's how many days until we get back to you. And then after you do this, then it's this many days. Yeah. So we tell them like, once we get this back, then in 10 days, we'll get you the first round of deliverables. Um, so that's kind of how, how we work it. And it really has developed over time when i first started out like those first couple of clients 
I didn't know what I needed to know with a lot of them. So I was sending a lot of emails asking questions and that's okay if you're starting out. Um, but track what you had to ask and start developing your system over time. Don't, you're never gonna have it ready to go before your first client, so. Yeah, and I think that, uh, uh, sorry, Stephanie, are you gonna add something? I was just gonna say, there's a, there's a lot of folks in the chat that are loving your idea for the welcome email, Sarah. I think that's a great one too. I don't have like a formulated one like that. I guess we probably, um, do that a bit. We experimented on a couple projects uh, beginning of the year with setting up sort of a little client portal to sort of do some of those same things, like to establish boundaries and to do all that. So I would do a little, um, I have this uh, app that's from AppSumo, of course, and it's called QuickPage. You record a video <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> and it's got like a whole like text field below it. You can type a whole message and put GIFs and all that stuff. So we did a whole thing where we listed out like, here's our hours, here's where you can, you know, here's how you contact us. Don't email Steph because she won't see it because she's the worst at email, <laughs> you know, like all that kind of stuff. And then yeah. we had a page that, that we could dump them to and it would have links to their Dropbox where they could leave us files and all these other things. Yep. Uh, I think we tried it on three projects and I think did exactly zero it? clients, yeah. zero ever, ever did it. And I thought like, okay, we're not asking them to sign into anything. We're not yeah. asking them to like learn a new, like learn how to use teamwork or something like that. Yeah. And it still was a complete fail. So I think yeah. if anything, an email is the best thing, even yeah. though I don't know that they even keep or read those either. You know, you got to half the time. I just had somebody send me something today like, hey, can you help us change? Like, what's our DNS? Something about their DNS. And yeah. I'm like, forward them the email that we sent them three months yeah. ago. Yeah. Has, I don't think you know, clients like are very good at looking back at emails, like at history yeah. emails. But so far, I guess people are excited at that point. So when they receive the welcome email, like everybody responds to it. And so, like, I haven't, they don't always answer all of the questions. So I guess that's, you know, one thing that you kind of potentially chasing up. Um, but yeah, so far people seem to respond to an email like that, which I think is useful. My plan long-term is to like set up a whole bunch of those emails the whole way through the project. So I haven't got there yet. So far we've got the welcome email, but my plan is to kind of at all the big stages to have an email that's like, Hey, you've just signed off the design. Congratulations. Like yeah. this is where we're up to. This is what the next stage looks like, et cetera, et cetera. Miro's got an idea. Nice. Miro asks if I've ever tried faxing it to them. I'm going to fax it to them on green paper. Two copies. I'll fax them two copies there you go. on awesome. green paper. I, I'm curious if anybody in the if anybody in the chat has luck with a client portal for mm. this kind of stuff. I've I've tried it both with our invoicing uh, system. We use Dubsado currently, um, and then I even experimented with it with Sweet Dash. Um, yeah, and clients. I've experimented just, with like no? to do list apps like. Um, Oh, that Pludio, like I invited yep. a client into Pludio. AppSumo. Yeah, mm -hmm. like yeah. I tried a lot of the different systems and no one, every now and then some, a client will find it useful and it'll yeah. work, but it just feels like yeah. it's so much effort to actually set all that crap up. They just want an email and I'm like, okay, And that's fine. the thing, isn't it? You're spending money on these, you know, uh, pieces of software, apps, whatever, thinking this will sort it all out. I can do it. You know, I can yeah. get all the content I need. And then Stephanie's already pointed out, you send it to them and 
I think it's kind of like sometimes some people actually shut down. It's kind of like, oh no, I can't yeah. cope with that. I think much. for I think for me, a good old fashioned call at the beginning, um, and just to come, just try to communicate. I, I'm a real big fan of communicating at the moment, obviously by video anyway. So mm -hmm. years ago, I used to go and see every single client when I first started. A lot of people, you know, it for me, it was kind of like uh, I would see the client and then I would sign them up there and then and then go home and then have a further conversation with them on the phone before we were, were sort of Zooming. Yeah. And, and sometimes I'd go back. Um, but I think what that does is that really nails your, starts to renew your relationship. And now so many things are done virtually and we are, we're, a lot of us are, are dealing with clients over Zoom. I think it's really important to keep that initial uh, conversation going, because I think what you'll also find is when you've sent them something and they've not read the email, you're starting to think, oh, here we go. So they've paid the money. And now we're going to have X amount of weeks of pain trying to get communication. Oh, I'm really busy. Sorry, I can't talk to you right now. You got the money, right? Yeah, I got the money. We want to start the project now. It doesn't stop now. You don't, your responsibilities have not ended because yeah. you've you've paid the well, money. I think some of that is I'm asking the question, like how how do you work best? Like how how is it going to work the best for us together? Is it are you good with emails? Would you prefer that we have regular Zoom meetings? Like, how are you going to work in the very best way? Um, I think that can be really useful because I've got some clients, they just want to talk on the phone like forever or some clients who just forever want to have meetings. And you think this totally oh, yeah. could have been an email. Like, why on yeah. earth are we meeting? But for them, that's how the project is going to work best. So I think sometimes asking that question, um, I think, is going to be a really useful way to get going it's same as like if if they don't know how to use dropbox and you send them a dropbox link like that's going to be a nightmare for you so sometimes asking them okay all right if you are going to work best in microsoft yep. onedrive let's work in microsoft onedrive because <laughs> i need to get because i can files. figure it out i could figure yours out better right. than you could figure mine out someone sent me something in yeah. sharepoint the other day and i was like i didn't even know you could do a sharepoint but, all right <laughs> right sure <laughs> Radio, everybody. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of folks talking Danny about Green similar. Yeah, Danny Green's the star today because she yeah. can do everything. She gets <laughs> clients on social media. She knows how to work Pluto better than anybody. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she has success with portals. She sets up her portals in Plutio and she has success with them. So um, I'm not sure if that's the, the type of clients that she's using or it's the setup that she's got or whatever. Um, I think um, Joan here says something that I think is sort of what we're all kind of echoing is yeah. clients, they want to be taken care of. They don't want, you know, it is a little bit like if you went to the mechanic and you brought your car in and then they were like, hey, can you hand me that wrench? And hey, where are you going? You got to come back here. Do you want me to put this kind of oil or that kind of, oil? you know, like I think we're so used to our side of the story that we don't realize that yeah. I think that's probably how they feel. They think that they're just going to give, write us a check only in the United States, but they're going to give <laughs> us the money and then, <laughs> then we're going to just go off and do it without them. And I think that's yeah. where all of these onboarding techniques, like that, in, like that introductory email and even starting the process way, way back in the early conversations, yeah. before we even get to a proposal is really important for establishing yeah. like the roles. I I've started putting in 
my proposals like down toward the bottom after you know overview scope timeline blah 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 then i put like two little small sections sweet teas jobs and client your jobs job. you know like their yeah. name your yeah. jobs and i list just a little bulleted list like we're gonna build it we're gonna you know we're gonna design it we're gonna build it we're gonna do this you are gonna get us this 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 and this. you know like i've kind of started yeah. doing that uh again they have to read it for it to actually work but at least it's it's and this there. is about being in charge of your project as well isn't it uh totally. it's it's under it's understanding the best way of communicating with your customers so rather than saying well this is you say well this is how we work we send you all these apps we send you this part client portal access and you log in here and 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 there's a couple of people have uh, mentioned being overwhelmed uh, and as mentions it uh just bring that up there he says i feel like 90 percent of 98 percent of my clients only know facebook and basic searches yeah. on google i meet them all face to face face but they always get overwhelmed i mean it's that's a really interesting uh thing yeah. where you know we are in charge of of our own ways of working but at the same time if someone wants to meet you or if someone wants to um, talk to you yeah. uh, on that regular basis and and have that feeling you're going to calm them down over the course of the first few weeks especially when they feel because i think that there's there's two huge parts to getting your project off the ground one is that initial communication and the next is when you have that first you send them that first draft of whether it's a mock-up or whether you've done it in in divi and you've yep. just sent them um something in divi that you've that you've put together for them and it's kind of like it's kind of like oh yeah a i've got the right guy or the right girl and b i've got yes that they, they have listened to what i wanted and this is on the right track from from the get-go so okay so let's just move on a little bit so we've talked about this whole you know initial communication what are you doing next what are you doing next you've kind of said well this is the boundaries and this is where we uh, are going to be sitting in this project i'm now gonna go i'm waiting for you to uh, either give me content or are you in the i don't do anything until i've got content club so what happens next i'm in a different club <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we now write the content um oh. so we just take care of that um they can add content if they want um but we've switched to just doing that and so it's now this is written content if there's videos or pictures they can be gathering that while we're writing content wow okay so you're so you're literally just getting everything done for them all their keywords and adding everything to their to their website for for them but yep. what about the design then uh, eric so you haven't designed anything yet so nope. what's starting are you wireframing are you um so doing yeah something so, in divi yeah no so our our process is once once the contract is signed and we get the intake questionnaire the intake questionnaire gets us everything we need to move forward first deliverable we we create um and share with them is the seo research once the SEO research is signed off on, then we go into copywriting. Uh, once the copy, then they get they get unlimited revisions on the copy. Once the copy's locked down, then we move into mock-up and the mock-up gets right. done in Figma. Um, yep. And okay. they get unlimited revisions again on the mock-up. And then once they sign off on that, 
they have to pay an additional 40%. So they've paid 50% to start the pot project. Once those are done, because those initial elements are all contracted out. So I've, I'm going to have invoices coming in very quickly for those. So that's why I charge then 40% at that point. And then, um, Peter and Peter's new, uh, team, uh, takes on the development and we build the website out and then they get three rounds of revisions on the build out site and then we launch it. Okay. When do you, when is your 40%? When is your 40% on when they sign off on the design? Because sign off on the design. Yeah. it took you a long time to get, it takes you a long time to get to the development part or it took you a long no, time to, to get this process down. This process it took me a long time to get to this process. So it's, and you know, I hear you say it and probably, I bet you guys in the chat all agree. Like everybody listening to this right now, like, well, yeah, that makes total sense. Like it's so simple. Just do just this, 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 and this. That's and it, yet, everybody. Thanks for coming. There you go. Like <laughs> Eric's got it all we're sorted. out. Like Eric just told you the answer. Like if you wanted to know the question, the, the answer to the question and the title of this topic, Eric just gave it to you. Why is it so yeah. hard? Is the is the real question. Like, why is it hard to get to that point? I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, okay, I'm doing everything myself. I don't want to do everything myself. So I start outsourcing the tasks. So I've got the whole focus of team, you know, like for my agency, like that's my team. I built that team. So I'm obviously going to use them. Right. So I've got developers, I've got copywriters, I've got the whole thing. So, I, but then like even just delegating took a lot of work. So then I brought somebody on to do that. And then now I've had to bring like that person. It was like, so, so I have a project manager try, and I'm just like, I'm with you. Like, I get it. Like, why is it hard? Like, why is it? This is, well, I think I, what, if anybody I think has an started, answer, I'd love to hear it. Well, I, mm. I think for me starting out with is, you know, I wasn't able to charge what I can charge now because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, and I was going through that phase of building my portfolio, learning and, and stuff like that. And I, that, I think 90% of us go through that and that's okay. Um, that's the process, you know, and for, for many of us. Uh, and so it takes a while to find a UX UI designer you trust. And even just how do, how do you work with someone and handing off that design? It, it can be scary because you know what you want. Um, but yeah, just and, and finding a copywriter that one, you can afford and two, they do a great job. Um, and, and, the, and the thing is you're taking care of everything, Eric. So this is a different scenario now from the traditional uh, web designer and client where we're saying to the client, can you send us all the content? Mm -hmm. uh, if you have any image preferences or if you actually have images that you want to see on your website, then you can send those over as well. Um, I mean, that's still a conversation you're going to have. The thing that always gets me about that, and I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about this, is that ultimately you don't know their business. They might have some, you know, unique selling points. They might have some specific services that are really quite complicated and actually need uh, to be properly written. And a copywriter, even a copywriter would struggle to do that. So you are you getting the copywriting team to take care of that communication with the client or how does that work? Because I, I, I always think with Excellent copywriting. Question. Yeah, it's yeah, one of the no. thing with copywriting. It's the same with the AI apps where they're going off and pulling in content from elsewhere 
but I always think, well, hold on a second. This is a very unique business. How do you how do you take care of that? Because one, most websites try to over explain like your comp, your service may be complicated, but the problem yeah. it's solving for your client isn't. And that's what your copy needs to talk to. Here's the problem you have. Here's what we're going to solve. Honestly, a lot of people don't give a rip how you're going to solve the problem. They just want to know you have a solution and other people have found it useful. So most of the time, it's, we, it's, the website doesn't have to contain as much of the complexity as most people think, especially if you want the website to convert, and that's the job of the copy. Um, and so it, your copy doesn't have to be as complex. They get unlimited revisions, but we do ask them, and so those are some of the exact questions we actually have, like, are there services that you have that you want to highlight? Um, are there services that you have that you care if they never get any traffic whatsoever? But we're also asking that during the consultative sales process. When we have an initial discussion, it's all about learning about their business. What's the most profitable part of their business? What are their goals? What are their aspirations? What's, what's their threat? We kind of do a mini SWOT analysis without using those keywords. And at the end of the conversation, they're like, man, thank you. Like, you really helped me think through some things in my business that I didn't even realize. And that they really appreciate that. Then when you take them, um, then when you get into the, the, we, we, everybody gets the same strategy. We, we have the playbook, everybody gets that. And then when you get into the copywriting, they trust you at that point to go, okay, so I don't have to explain all these little technical parts. Nope. Yeah. And here's why. So I was having that same conversation with a client this morning. Um, and he, he keeps saying kiss to me all the time. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. But it's kind yeah. of like uh, he just said to me, he said, look, I've been doing this for 40 years. And he said, and he said, and people get so wrapped up in having to explain everything. He said, we don't tell our customers everything that we're doing. We, 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 we don't, they don't need to know the detail. They need to know we can do it. So I suppose in the same way in which we do web design, we don't sit there and mark out absolutely everything that we're going to do on somebody's website and put them put that copy onto our websites when we're advertising. We're saying, actually, you can have a website with us. You can have a startup site. You can have a business site. You can have an e-commerce site. We're not going to give you all the detail around it. So I, thought, I suppose that sort of bears out what you're saying about these uh, any business. You just, as long as you've um, attacked the keywords and you've got unique copy, then you're kind yeah. of and delivering, it, delivering it. Yeah. And it's solving the problem. It's, it's all about, because that, and it, and a lot of it depends upon it. One of the best things I would recommend studying is, is studying the buying cycle. When you understand the psychology behind people's decisions in buying and the four stages of the buying cycle and all of that, it helps you really map out a process that, that takes them through, from whatever part they're coming in on the buying cycle. Um, so totally worth studying on that. But you know, what's the job of the website? Most website, now e-commerce sites, it's a little bit different. I can't do the copywriting on the technical, the technical specs of an e-commerce product, but that's, I'm just not doing those kinds of sites. And if I was, or if we have one come in, well, the client would have to provide that. I'm talking about the marketing 
copy, the sales copy, the landing pages, squeeze pages, all yeah, of that kind of journey. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Cool. You, Eric, do you work in a specific niche? You don't, do you? Just more like just no. local, local small to your area. Small business. Yeah, small but to for you guys, business. The the chat has gone absolutely silent. I think uh, everybody's brains were just blown away by that whole thing that Eric rattled off. But I want to tell you something. Um, ask Eric Dingler how long he's been doing this for. Like, how long has it been, Eric? Uh, full time. Uh, yeah. Full time. It'll be two years this coming September. Two years. So, like, yeah. don't feel like, oh, I'm new. I could never. So, like, I'm out. Like, oh, that's beyond me or whatever. You, it's not. You can do this. Like, just follow the leader here. It, and if you want to have something with a big team, Eric's your guy. If you want to do it yourself, watch Sarah because she's doing it with more of just she's got her and her designer that she works with. I suck at it. So I'm just trying to give you guys the team to do it for you. Because <laughs> that apparently is not my strength. But I can build a team. Let me tell you. I just can't direct them. And Mike, of course, if you anybody needs like an intro to anything. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's just intros and that's it. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, I actually don't know that much about Mike's like business ah, style, truthfully. Well, okay. What were you going to say, Eric? I, I was thinking when Mike was doing the intros, I was sitting here going, I had to see if he wants to write any copy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this from um, Stephen Turner. Um, she's, uh, my customers be like, details, details, don't bother me with the details, just tell me when it's done. Coming yeah. back to the beginning and coming back to the start, if you've got a good communication set up, you're starting to read your client. This is like a, it's almost a the part of the game, whether it's a game of poker or however it turns out to be. But if you're reading your clients, you're working out they what they want and when they want it. And and as part of setting the boundaries, you're also setting this whole expectation of when you're going to deliver it as well, which is some of the things we've already talked about. OK, so um, Eric's sort of um, given us a really good um, sort of pricey of, 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 of his process. So what about tools and what about um, going into um, whatever you do? Sorry, first? what about so what? Tools, tools you use for T design. Tools, Got tools, it. tools, <laughs> tools you okay. use for design. So uh, let's just say, so you, um, Eric mentioned uh, for designing, he was using Figma. So is anybody in the chat using Divi uh, for like uh, wireframing or, or mockups? And um, what does the rest of the panel use? We use uh, Adobe XD. Yeah. So I've used that for a long, since it came out, I was very excited when it first came out. So um, I made Sophie learn it. She used to want to do it in Illustrator, um, but I have well and truly converted her to Adobe XD. But that's because yeah, we had nice. the Adobe Suite. And so yeah. that was the reason that we went that direction. If we hadn't had the Adobe Suite, then I'm sure we would have looked at some of the other alternatives that are around. That's interesting. There's a lot of good ones. Yeah, I'm an XD fan as well. And uh, I can see that uh, who we got here is Joan. She says she uses Divi. Uh, Figma Divi. is too much time. Yeah, straight into Divi. And that's what I used to do before I got into XD and started to sort of break it down a little bit. And then what I tend to do with... Francisco's um, love it. Figma rocks. Figma rocks. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason is... we use Adobe XD um, rather than just Divi 
is because partially because I want to have a designer who does it rather than us just doing it straight in TV. I like that by doing it in a design application, it makes you think outside the box of what's easy to do inside mm-hmm. TV, which I really like. Um, we're always doing something that makes me have to think, how the hell am I going to achieve that? And mm-hmm. I like that yeah. process. But also we yeah. provide every client with two I designs. I love when stuff's super hard. It's the best. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> we provide two designs for the clients. And so for every homepage, we try and provide two really different designs to them. And the idea with that is they get more ownership over it. So when we send it through, then they're saying, well, I want to pick this one. So they're owning it mm-hmm. and then they're saying, and these are the changes I'd like to have to that. And then they get three rounds of revisions on their chosen homepage design. And then we do that same process, but just one design for one other page on the website. And then after that, we just build out the rest of the site. So then there's no more designing after that point. I still get Sophie to do all the pages in XD because it makes it really fast for me to build because you can export really easy out of XD, that kind of thing. But um, the reason is the two designs so we deliberately want to provide them two completely different options that allow them to think of their business in really different ways um and i think it has really helped the ownership part of the website there is a lot to be said about the psychology of that making them choose something because if you just give because 90 percent, 99 percent, probably of the folks that we're dealing with they're business owners they're entrepreneurs they're in control And so even though they want to give us stuff, they want to still be in control. So if we give them one design, they will most likely rip it to shreds Yeah, for no real reason other than like they They need to be the boss exerting, exerting control. And also um, there was an interesting thread that came up in the admin bar last week, maybe something like that, talking about clients going through all these different changes and all this just to end up back where we started. And there is a process to all of that, right? Like we don't just draw it out one way the first time and are thrilled with it. We get to have that mental process. Even if you work with a designer, you're probably saying like, can you tweak this a little bit or tweak that? I don't know, maybe I do always. And even if it's just minor things until it gets to the right spot. And that's with all of our experience. So, you know, when a, when a client looks at it, they may say like, what if it was like that? Or what if it was like this? You know, so they, that's yeah. just a normal, natural thing to want to have a little control, have a little ownership. So that that two idea is brilliant. You give them three and you start getting into too, too many choices yeah. and don't like tr- write this down. You guys do not ever, ever present a design to a client that you, you don't like <laughs> thinking that they will surely pick the better one because 100 <laughs> times out of 100 they will pick the crap design yeah yeah subject and then you're stuck yeah. yeah yeah and then the other thing that we always do so this isn't really a tool as a part of that but we always provide a loom video with the presented yeah. designs so you provide it as a jpeg but i always do a loom video partially because clients don't know how to zoom in on a jpeg so they don't know how to zoom in so it looks like a desktop. And so by doing the video, they get to see it scrolling through as if it's a website. Mm-hmm. And then it means that I can also explain reasons for different things. They can watch it in their own time. But also being able to kind of guide them, like if I feel like, you know, we've done this thing, but the reason I think this one is better is because of whatever, whatever. Um it just really helps. It makes you look really awesome and really professional. But I think what it does is it allows you to have the big, long discussion without lots of butt-ins from them 
of you mm-hmm. being able to say, this is why we approach this one this way. This is the psychology behind this one. This is the psychology behind this one. It's your website. I obviously have my preference, but this is your website. You get to pick it. And then, you know, it always okay. is a good winning and, approach. And where that, where that also comes in really helpful is, so we require every project we build, we have one contact person. Um, and I have to speak to the final decision, whoever the decision maker is, I have to talk to them at the begin during the, the beginning part, um, of, of the project after that, I don't, I don't care, but I need to know who's going to be making the final decision and what do they like? Um, and, but then after that, but sending that video empowers that management person who does have to share the design with other people in the company to get feedback. It equips them with something, and now you're just not getting everybody's opinion. They're able to watch it, and man, the video saves so much time. It really does. Okay. So here's kind of a couple of questions. If you have you anybody here ever just done wireframing, and then gone on to mock up? Has anybody wireframed for for anybody, or just literally said, right now, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna mock I'm just gonna do the mock up so we can move forward. And is there, would there any be, if you don't, is there been a decision, a point where you thought, actually, this is a customer that needs a wireframe? You mean by wireframe, you mean like a lo-fi, kind yes. of like a low fidelity, like just the, like. Yeah, the, just like I outlines do those, and, yeah. I structure. do those, but it doesn't usually get seen by the client. Sometimes it does. I have done that a couple times. Um the like a very, very low fi. And a lot of times I actually do it on paper or on my tablet um, where I'll just draw and I'll just make boxes and like, this is what's going on this page. And that's sort of how I get it into that next phase. Because I mean, I assume you guys probably do something similar, even if you're not drawing it, right? Like you Sarah, to get it to your designers, you've got to, they're not in the client meetings with you. You're the ones making the decision on what's going where. So they're just there to make it pretty. So, you know, I do a no, lot of... No, Sophie does a lot of that. So she does oh, the really? research. Oh, really? that's nice. Yeah. So I meet with the wow. client and then I hand it all over to Sophie. So I hand everything to her and I communicate um, what I think is important, but I let her do the entire layout. Nice. So I, I, do, ju- I got that. I yeah. say, if we do the meeting via video, the onboarding, where we go through the questionnaire, we do it on Zoom and we record it and... I let the I let the client know that the video is going to be shared with the team, and so then the developer or designer, sorry, Max gets um, the the questionnaire, but also has the video to watch. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I do. So I I don't typically do that just because I I don't want them to have to watch. I'm chatty. It's too long. So I just draw, <laughs> I just mark it up really quickly. I have gone to clients who, especially for clients who want to do their own copy, things like that where I'll yeah. show like a more of a wireframe thing that's like, we need this information here, this information there. Now I have done sort of, so that's like a very, very low-fi, like literal hand drawn like boxes. Now there's, that's what they call that guy's low-fi versus high-fi, like a high-fidelity mock a wireframe is basically like a design, like a figure yeah. design. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of room in between those two. And there was some that I was experimenting with that sort of were like divvy layouts that you could dump in and have um, like 
this is what you know like you can choose from one of three hero sections and one of a couple different contact points. you know like all this stuff but i found it was confusing because they couldn't separate yeah. it you know they can't they don't have the vision to see that this is going to look different. They're like, yeah. why, why is my whole site? Why is everything blue? And why are all these, you know, like they yeah. couldn't get that. This was just a blueprint kind of a thing. Yeah. So uh, that didn't work for me and my clients. So I, I stick to more of the, the very, very, very low fi onto high fi designs straight away. Okay. Pretty, like 90% of the time. So when you're doing these, um, the we'll call the hi-fi sort of mock-ups um are you, you you're going back for you're into inspiration mode now you're into sort of design mode uh, and are you creating like a style guide to start off with do you all create style guides to start off and say right we're only using these colors so you've kind of gone through the websites they like and they don't like as sarah was talking about earlier and and then are you saying right okay i'm going to use this style guide and then i'm going to transfer my my aim is to transfer that onto the website once i've got that signed off and do you get the style guide signed off as well with font choices uh headings um and and obviously all the the choice of colors on the site no nope. we don't i mean it sounds like a great idea though we technically <laughs> do you do i don't know <laughs> but it was <laughs> <laughs> but it was it occurred to me when i was doing this the other day and i was sitting there thinking you know what i'm sitting there creating these style guides because it's it's it's, it's more for myself really but it's also nice at the end to be able to use it as a reference point so it's kind of like uh when you finish the website and the website's been live uh, maybe a year maybe maybe two years and somebody starts to talk about different colors or whatever and you've got that style guide you've got that reference um so if anybody comes along and makes any changes you think oh, hold on a minute the heading should be this the body con the body text should be this um i think again and though clients can't really get it in their head so mm. like for us depends it depends right so you've got, mm. if some will come to you with a logo and a style guide, it's already set to go and you're just running off that. Some of them, mm -hmm. you're doing it for them. So some clients, we're doing a brand new logo for them. And as a part of it, doing our branding, they will get a style guide. So right. it's really only the clients who come to you who have a logo, they have no style guide and they're kind of like, whatever. And so for mm -hmm. us, the process of doing the two homepages essentially is saying, Here's one style guide. Here's another style guide. You pick. And at that point, they're choosing the fonts and they're choosing, like, that's where they're choosing the colors and they're choosing all that stuff. So it's not technically a style guide, but kind of, it kind of is because it's kind of saying, well, you're choosing to go this direction or this direction. And then once that direction is set, it's set. And so then we move forward from there. But no, it's not an official style guide at that point. But I would say... 60% of clients either come with a style guide or we're producing a style guide for them as a part of branding. I, I sort of am the same, whereas the, where the style guide is more a part of the brand rather than the site. However, um, on my, I have what I call it, when we're going to build a website, because one thing that we didn't really say at the beginning is that there are so many different kinds of projects. Yeah. Like we have lots of different kinds of projects. And if we're, but if we're going to build a website, then I will send them our website style survey form, which collects basic information, does the thing with give us three sites you like, three don't, what do you like, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. We also say, do you have a logo? If the answer is yes, then it shows a field to upload it. 
Do you yeah. have a style guide or brand standards? If you put yes, it shows the thing. Upload that nice. here. You know, and it talks about their target audience and their tagline and their fonts and all this stuff. And if they don't do that, then I leave it to the designers to come up with. Like if the client doesn't provide yeah. it, then I just leave that to the designer. But I found, like you did, Mike, that it was so handy to have that to be able to reference back later that I started, I used to use that note app called Bear. We've talked about it before. Oh, yes. And I would create a Is little that note. set up for... by any chance? <laughs> it, no, actually... it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> or it's just a standalone app. That's why I don't use it anymore. It's not, it's not really my favorite thing. No, no, I love that app, but it was standalone. And now that I've got a team, it became very impractical. So, Sarah, you'll be so proud. We're now storing all that information in Airtable. Airtable! Yay! So, so I do sort of have that, and I I kept saying, um, you know, I like I got so used to having that resource of each project, yeah. and I had them like little hashtags, so I could find it really quickly. But then when I couldn't use that anymore, I would say to my team, like, I need to have a place for this. I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I got so sick of it that they're finally like, anytime I ask a question, they're like, it's an air table. <laughs> like it's there now. Okay. So last week, in fact, I created my form that I said I'm going to send to clients. I haven't used it yet, but that is created in Airtable that asks all the questions and they fill out the form. And when they submit it, it goes into their thing in Airtable and it's just there oh my automatically. Gosh. Yeah, it's amazing. Let me let me call Andrea right now. She's making that for me. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm so getting at. Here's yeah. an interesting one then. So um, Beth. So uh, Beth, we, uh, Beth Livingston from WP Roadmaps, we break it down this way, sitemap, layout, content, function, technical and design branding, and we get each thing approved separately. <laughs> this is a lovely thing about our game, isn't it? It's that everybody operates in a completely different way and it's very, yeah. there's very little uniformity. Uh, now, I think that's remarkable. Ones. I can't yeah. imagine doing that many approvals and that many presentations for less than a $20,000 project or more. Like that to me seems like you're dealing with a high, like a big company that's got a lot of people involved and a lot of rounds of right. approvals and all of that. I, yeah. I think a lot of this all does depend on our customers too, yeah. because like yes. most of the people that I think here in this room that we work with are in this room, is just me and my cat. I met you guys too, you know? <laughs> We're in the room. Just me Thanks. and Mimi, the ones that me and Mimi work with are really just they they don't care. Like they like the function compared to what were all those things? You flashed it so fast. Um, Sorry, I'll bring it back. You Hang know, on. function, technical, all those things. Like, what's the difference between function and technical? And like they don't care. So that's one of those things where if you understand your customers, the ones that need that, give it to them. The ones that that don't need it, this will overwhelm them. So you have to kind of know your, you got to read the room, gang. Yeah. And that's what that's what Beth just said. She's also said uh, for smaller projects, yeah. we lump there some of go. them together. So she, it, it is just, as you say, reading the room, understanding the client. And that's the thing. You uh, And going back to the very beginning of what we were just, uh, what we've been talking about tonight is about getting that initial communication in so that you've, you're really understanding where that person's coming from um there was one other thing uh i like what ken has just put on here which is that uh, he's just been trying to create a style guide just for my own site uh, and it surprised me how much it uh, time it takes it's probably too complicated 
we can all um, make things more complicated than they need to be uh, but he does refer back to it a lot so um i will so say when it comes to these style guides you guys and with divi in particular it's so easy to make changes in so many different places that i am now forcing my devs to set all fonts and to make all major changes in the actual style css file because i'm like it's it's gotten oh, too out of control right. with little tweaks everywhere because my base child theme has the css like set where it sets it at a certain one and then the h one two three four five has is just an m or a rem of the base paragraph size and it's like you go in if, if it's not working you go in there and you tweak that and it's site-wide as opposed to like, oh, this one was done in the module and this one was done in the theme settings. And, the, you know, it's like, it's just too many places. So for little yeah. tweaks that need done for like weird random pages on mobile that don't work or, you know, stuff like that, sure. But like, so I'm sort of like the style guide, style CSS, coincidence. <laughs> okay, we are, we are at the top of the hour, but we're going to go on for a few more minutes because we started ever so slightly fashionably late as always. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to ask about accessibility because we have talked about accessibility before and we're talking about color combinations. I did not see that being the next thing. No, it's coming. I'm into yeah. it, I'm into it, but I just didn't see it well, coming. It's, it's, you know, more and more, it's, it's, it's something that uh, I think some people um, either pay attention to i come across so many websites where people pay no attention to it whatsoever and i'm talking to a customer they say oh i really like this website and i and i go to it and you'll see a red font with a transparent background on a colored picture and it i assume there's no way anybody's gonna it, half the people wouldn't be able to read that anyway they can't even see that's a cta a call to action um, so one of the things I found this week, which I thought I'd share with everybody, which is quite a nice little tool, um, it was specifically for buttons because I was thinking about call to action buttons, and that's a site called buttonbuddy.dev. So have a visit to that uh, if you can. We'll stick it in the show notes. Um, and it's kind of like a, a, it's a really cool, it's looking at, not only looking at the contrast of the font and the background uh, behind that font on the button it's actually looking at where the button's sitting the contrast behind that as well um, and that is a um, it, you, you have to go down to the generator so it's kind of like you it does it on the website it sort of shows you a whole list of um, sort of recommendations and then there's the generator where you can add your colors add your choice of colors and I bet you if you go through a few of your websites that you've created either in the past I know I've done it where you've created it in the past and actually you realize that you are way off track with your uh, and this is just this is just a small thing it's just the button and we've had um episodes where we've talked about accessibility but i just wondered if anybody was actually when they're doing their color choices if they're looking at that as well um we haven't been as much as we need to and we got pulled up on it on a site recently and mm -hmm. so now sophie's checking all her colors um, as she goes at the beginning, which is good. We had um, wow. uh, Andrea, my assistant, she went, I had her go through uh, an accessibility course. And so right. now she's, um, it took her several weeks, maybe a couple months to get through the whole thing. It was just like, as she did, you know, just as she had time in between her tasks and things and she completed it. And it has been really good for us because there was a couple 
designs that we had and she sort of in, intercepts them you know between the designer and the dev yeah, and nice. she without me even saying anything she went and like scanned it all and she was like hey Steph just want to let you know that font you know like that font size or that text color did not pass accessibility and before it even went to client or devs at all it went straight back to the designer for updates yeah, nice. on it so that was like that's been a really good addition to our process awesome there you go that didn't take long <laughs> but i think it's a it's such an important part of, of what we're doing yeah. and, and and when we're we're kicking things off initially and it's easy to get lost the other thing that you end up also looking at when you're looking at these things is what cta is then going to convert for that client so when you're doing the design you're sitting there think, and there's a again there's a, quite a few websites that you can visit where it talks about the warmth of the color that you're using uh, that might entice someone to actually kick, click on that button. Um, so green, for example, a green background button is an affirmative button. And apparently that's one of the best buttons to use to convert. So Eric's doing his SEO. And while he's doing his SEO, he's doing his design. And whilst he's doing his design, he's doing all of the copy that's in, involved with that. And he's also doing all of his accessibility at the same time. So all of these things are all in the melting pot. And uh, it shows you why. So if you ever need to, um, somebody says to you, you know, I don't know why it's so expensive to hire web designers. <laughs> it's because yeah. we're professionals. And it's because we will take that time and trouble and effort to go through all of that to make sure your site has got all of these things in it so you're properly compliant. And, uh, and that's going to be about it for tonight, I think. So has anybody got some final thoughts on our topic this evening if you haven't already hit the like button i know i saw i think it was Mira earlier that was uh, um, asking everybody to do that we'd love you to hit the like button on our on our show um sarah have you got anything you'd like to add at the end of any final thoughts tonight i think it's fine or for you to morning. do it however you want to do it um and i think it's about learning each time so you know you do it one way you see how that goes you kind of implement changes as you go and I think over time we work out what works with our clients and what doesn't and you have the horror stories and you know that's how you build your process I think it is really important to reassure clients and I think a, a process reassures them so whatever your process is I think making that loud and proud is useful for a client to feel really reassured that their money is going to a good place um, but I, I wouldn't, I think it's easy to feel like, oh, I need to copy that person's approach or I need to copy that person's approach. But um, I think in some ways it almost doesn't matter as long as you can feel really confident and you can reassure your client and you can be flexible that if an approach isn't going to work with a particular client, change it up and make it work for that client so that you can get through and then see what you need to tweak moving forward. Is it just that client or is it every client? Is that something I could screen for next time? So then I know that that client needs phone calls or whatever it is. I added in four, four hours max contact client time after mm -hmm. a client who wanted to meet all the time. So, you know, like you learn every time and then you add in. Most clients would never reach that four hour cap, but there are some clients that want to make the use of every minute yeah. of that four hour cap. And yeah. so, you know, mm -hmm. like you learn and you change it and you modify and you get a little bit closer to where you feel comfortable uh, moving forward. Yeah, and it's holding them to that as well, isn't it? It's saying, okay, I've got this contract in place, but it's one thing to have a contract in place and then another thing to hold them 
hold them to that because some people will just go oh well i'll just go and see them and then before you know it you've broken it and you've you've gone past it and everybody has a little bit of latitude in it but at the same time you know um it's good to have those that sort of um statement in place eric yeah. final thoughts uh the final thought would be yeah don't don't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle um comparison will rob you of your joy every single time this is a journey um you know don't don't try to fix and change everything um if there you know there are several things in our process right now that um i don't like um that i want to tweak but i can't go out and tweak it all so i prioritize um and i'm okay with that so you you just do the same thing and uh eventually i never used to believe this um <laughs> but eventually you'll get to the point where you'll get a gut feeling about a client and you'll just go hey, hey, this ain't worth five thousand dollars this is not <laughs> worth eight thousand dollars i ain't yeah. gonna do it and you just tell them i'm sorry we're not gonna be the right fit for you um yeah. It will eventually happen, uh, but uh, yeah. That's and if that's too thing. scary, just price them out. Yeah. Or tell them you can, or tell them you can't start for six months. There you go. And, there you go. Yeah. Or char or charge your yeah quadruple your rates. Just be careful because they might still go for it, and then you're they might. But then well, you then you, then you white label it out. Then you white label it out completely, yeah. and true. you don't have yeah. to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's We've right. got a uh, comment from Beth again. She says, uh, "My favorite quote lately: Don't yuck on someone else's yum. Do you?" Oh, that's good. Okay. 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 Uh, I I like Robin's Robin's comment here. You can pay for the value received today by hitting that like button. Oh yeah. Thank you, Robin. Yeah. Thanks, Robin. And awesome. go ahead and leave us a review too. I put the link in the chats on uh, Facebook and YouTube for ratethispodcast.com slash divvy chat for those of you who are listening at a later date whatever device you're on you can put in that url and it will open up whatever things are installed that you're where you can listen to it um i have my final thought i think would be that it's twofold there's two parties involved in all of this there's you and there's your client and it's your job to make sure that you guys come together in a good way you you're in charge but you've got to make them feel in charge there's nothing easy about those sort of elements there's a lot of psychology involved like we've been talking about about making people feel comfortable and good communication as we always say is one of the biggest things start early yeah. you know have have processes that are to your benefit that are things that you the way you want to work and do things but present them to your client from the beginning and do not present them with a question mark be firm and be strong and explain it to them and if there is any doubt or pushback at all, start explaining to them how their company succeeding is a success for you. If you can explain that that's your the same goal, it, their goal and your goal is the same, and that is their yeah. success, then you can start to get on the same page rather than saying like, you know, money is a difference is not the same page and <laughs> like other things are time might not be right. But if you can start to refer to their success and to really actually strive for it, then you have a better chance of um, of having a successful project in the end and also maintaining a relationship for a long term. That's great. Thanks, Stephanie. I, I think for me, it's taking it right back to those first conversations that you're having with a potential client. And you're saying you're, you're sort of getting into the 
trying to get into their head, trying to get into the psychology of whether you can work with this person, but also saying saying to them, making it very, very clear that they are as much part of this process as you are. This is part, it's a it's a it's a partnership to get the to get their business online. And I've always talked about people's websites as being their shop front. And basically saying to them, you know, this is your shop front. If you were in the high street, you'd have your shop front. We're going to make this as great as we can, but we can't do it without your involvement. And it's no good you're trying to stand in the background and just sort of hopefully you're going to come and look at the shop after it's after we're about to open. We need you involved all the way through. And if you want to take that to the next level with SEO, I always say to people that you're not going to be on the high street at the beginning. You're going to be down an alleyway somewhere. And the only way you get to the alleyway is by going uh, by putting in some ads out on the high street that says, you know, new business down this road and down this alleyway. And that's cheating using Google ads. So it's kind of like that's the way in which you would potentially um, get yourself front and center. But I think it's really important that you um, get that understanding of whether you think that person's going to be able to commit to it before you end up getting a deposit and then throwing everything at you and then disappearing because that is very soul destroying as a web designer and <laughs> uh, and if you've missed that if you've missed that potential that that's going to happen then you you don't do anything go back to them and say you can't you can't do this this is this is a as much you as it is me in order to get that business online and that's Use it caution working with family we've got we've got a cautionary <laughs> tale in the chat from steve perks he was firm <laughs> and he took control of his wife's e-commerce website project and he is still sleeping in the shed so congratulations great job great job steve okay um, <laughs> that's great uh there's one thing that we haven't covered yet guys we we didn't talk about this beforehand who's going to do tim's job tonight no, I, that's not. That's that's. No, I, I don't get paid I, enough. Mm -mm. No, no. <laughs> we need. A, okay. We need a recording of that that we can just. <laughs> we do. We do. We that's need his to fault for not for being here. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's got his. Yeah. The fans need him. You know. Okay, right. Mike. I mean, you can if you want, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I can do it justice. <laughs> um, have a great week, everybody. Bye, guys. See you next <laughs> and, week. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye.